book six chapter fifteen of the heavenly twins this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the heavenly twins by sarah g chapter fifteen sir shadwell rock was exactly the kind of man evadne had had in her mind i felt sure when she spoke of the peculiar influence which distinguished men of my profession exercise upon their patients he was a man of taking manners to begin with sympathetic cultivated humane and i need hardly add scrupulously conscientious and exact i could confide her to his care with the most perfect reliance upon his kindness as well as upon his discretion and skill if she would consent to consult him at all but that was a little difficulty which had still to be got over i anticipated some opposition because i felt sure she had not realized that there was anything threatening to be serious in her case and would therefore see no necessity for further advice this made the arrangement difficult it would not do to arouse any apprehension about her own state of mind but how to induce her to go to london to consult an eminent specialist without doing so was the question had lady adeline been at home the suggestion would have come best from her but in her absence there was nobody to make it except that impossible colonel cahoon if he chose to order evadne to consult sir shadwell rock i knew she would do so at once for she never opposed him and he was so apt to be unreasonable and capricious that she would probably not think that the order signified much but the further question was would he give it after i had finished my morning's work i drove to the depot to see the men were on parade when i entered the barrack square they were drawn up in line and the first thing i saw was colonel cahoon himself prancing about on his charger and not in the most amiable mood possible i imagined from the way he was blackguarding the men he sat his horse well and was a fine soldier-like man in uniform and a handsome man too of the martial order when his bald head was hidden by his cocked hat and his blonde moustache had a chance the sort of man to take a woman's fancy if not the kind of character to keep her regard an unhappy old mounted major had got into trouble just as i came up his palfrey was an easy ambler but he was the sort of old gentleman who would not have been safe in a rocking-chair with his sword drawn and his chief complimenting him you ride like a damned tailor sir colonel cahoon was thundering at him just as i drove up an officer in undress uniform captain bartlett and brigade surgeon james who was in mufti were standing at an open window in the ante-room and i joined them there and looked out at the parade i don't know how you fellows stand that kind of thing and before the men too i remarked our propos of a fresh volley of abuse from colonel cahoon oh by jove we've got to stand it many of us for weighty considerations quite apart from our personal dignity captain bartlett rejoined 
a man with a wife and five children depending upon him will swallow a lot for their sake it would be easy enough to answer him but self-interest keeps us quiet a deuced sight oftener than discipline by the way however he added cheerfully all c o s are not so bad as that brute out there nor the half of them for the matter of that but still it's a wonder what you stand you combatants dr james observed shut up doctor captain bartlett rejoined good-naturedly don't presume upon your superior position your promotion doesn't depend upon the colonel's confidential report nor your peace in life upon his fancy for you you can disagree with him in your own line but we can't in ours is colonel cahoon often so i asked he had just been assuring that unfortunate major that a billet in the commissariat department with a pound of beef on one spur and a loaf of bread on the other to prevent accidents was the thing for him more or less was the answer he is notorious all through the service he brought his own regiment up to a high state of efficiency i must say that for him and let it into action like a man but between ourselves i expect there's never been a time since he got his company when there wasn't a bullet ready for him you remember james in india of course it was an accident the doctor nodded the men call him bully cahoon he supplemented but surely his character is known at the horse guards i said ah you see he's a smart officer captain bartlett rejoined and what are officers for to knock about and to be knocked about just look at him now see how he's bucketing those men about he was a militia man and that's a militia man all over a man who's been through sandhurst has carried a rifle for a year himself and he knows what it is and gives his men their stand easy but a militia man has no more feeling for them than a block well i can't see why you seniors don't remonstrate i rejoined the war office is bound to support you if you show good cause yes and cashier you too for very little if you make yourself obnoxious by giving them trouble bartlett replied roy lance was the only fellow that ever really stood up to cahoon he was a young subaltern that had just joined but an awful devil when he was roused and he swore in the ante-room that if the colonel ever blackguarded him before the men or anywhere else or presumed upon his position to address him in terms which one gentleman is not permitted to use to another he'd give him as much as he got well the very next day on parade roy lance got the men into a muddle cahoon's a good soldier you know and nothing riles him like inefficiency and by jove he was down on the lad like a shot he poured his whole vocabulary on him and then for want of a worse word he called him a damned dissipated subaltern well roy lance just stepped back so as to make himself heard and shouted coolly dissipated that comes well from you sir considering the reason for the singular arrangement of your own menage with which he handed his sword to the adjutant 
and walked off to his quarters you should have seen cahoon's face he went on leave immediately afterward and of course the matter was hushed up roy lance exchanged he'd lots of money it's the men without means that have to stand that kind of thing my voice was husky and i could scarcely control it but i managed to ask what was the insinuation what about roy lance just a lie the lad's life was as clean as a lady's i meant about the marriage oh don't you know cahoon himself told us all about it in his cups one night just as they were starting on their wedding trip she got a letter containing certain allegations against him and she gave him the slip at the station and went off by herself to make inquiries and in consequence of what she learnt she declined to live with him at all at first but he has a great horror of being made the subject of gossip you know and her people were also anxious to save scandal and so between them they managed to persuade her just to consent to live in the house he having given his word of honour as a gentleman not to molest her and that has been the arrangement ever since funny isn't it truth stranger than fiction you know and that kind of thing yet it seems to answer they're excellent friends the parade had been dismissed by this time but i had changed my mind and did not wait to see colonel cahoon i had to hurry back to make arrangements with regard to my patients in the hospital and then i returned to town and midnight saw me closeted once more with sir shadwell rock End of book six, chapter fifteen.